welcome you to the Lord's house. Good to see you. We're going to baptize uh, Scarlett this, this morning. And today is her birthday. Yay! I don't think I've ever seen a child so happy to be baptized. That's, that's great. So I'm going to do this. Scarlett, uh, do you... Do you <laughs> Do you believe that you have received Jesus as your Savior? Yes. All right. Therefore, by your profession of faith, I baptize. Are you ready? Okay. I, now it's my turn. <laughs> I baptize this, my sister, in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Spirit. Darkness tries to roll over my bones When sorrow comes to steal the joy I own When brokenness and pain is all I know Oh, I won't be shaken No, I won't be shaken My fear doesn't stand a chance when I stand in your love. My fear doesn't stand a chance when I stand in your love. My fear doesn't stand a chance when I stand in your love. Shame no longer has a place to hide. I am not captive to the light. I'm not afraid to leave my past behind. No, I won't be shaken. No, I won't be shaken. My fear doesn't stand a chance when I stand in your love. My fear doesn't stand a chance when I stand in your love. My fear doesn't stand a chance when I stand in your love. There's power that can break off every chain. There's power that can empty out a grave. There's resurrection power that can't say There's power in your name There's power in your name My fear doesn't stand a chance when I stand in your love My fear doesn't stand a chance when I stand in your love My fear doesn't Stand a chance when I stand in your love. My fear doesn't 
doesn't stand a chance when I stand in your love. My fear doesn't stand a chance when I stand in your love. My fear doesn't stand a chance when I stand in your love. It's running out, it's running out. 
Hear the voice of love that's calling There's a chair that waits for you And a friend who understands Everything you're going through You keep standing at In the shadow of your shame There's a light of hope that's shining Won't you come and take your place And bring it all to the table There's nothing he ain't seen before for all your sins, all your sorrow and your sadness, there's a Savior and He calls, bring it all to the table. He can see the weight you carry, the fears that hold your heart. Through the cross you've been forgiven You're accepted as you are So bring it all to the table There's nothing he ain't seen before For all your trials, all your worries and your burdens 
there's a Savior and He calls, bring it all to the table. Bring it all. You can bring it all. Come on in, take your place. There's no one who's turned away. All you sinners, all you saints, come right in and find your grace. Come on in. Take your place, there's no one who's turned away. All you sinners, all you saints, come right in and find your grace. Bring it all to the table. It's nothing he ain't seen before. For all your sins. All your sorrows and your sadness, there's a Savior and He calls, bring it all to the table. Bring it all to the table. Thank you, Father. Lord, we feel overwhelmed. There's so much going on. We've seen death this week. We've had new life this morning. We don't know which way to turn. We only know to turn to you. Father, we need you now more than ever. Father, I lift up everybody this week that has lost loved ones, that is going through turmoil and storms and the trials of this life. Father, I pray for Brother Daryl this morning as he brings your message. I lift him up to you. Give him only the, the, the comfort that only you can, the strength, the overwhelming strength that only you can give, Father. We need it now. We need you now more than ever. Father, we just pray, we just pray for your, you, you, just for you to be with us. We don't know what else to do. It's all we can do. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I think it was last Sunday I said I've got the best job in the world. Uh, you don't know it, but every Sunday I get a text before church starts. Sometimes it's very early, and that's okay with me. And there's a Gideon somewhere, uh, the Gideon Society, that, that prays for me. And they send me a text. And the, today, today was Tony's day, I suppose, or, or he, just, he just did it for free. Uh, but... Uh, and uh, not, not, they not only pray for me, they, they pray for us. So every week there's somebody who is praying for us long before you get to church, often long before you get up out of, out of bed. And uh, they, they send us a text and let us know it. Good. Hebrews chapter 5. If you have your Bible or scroll through, you, through your device, Hebrews chapter 5, 1 through 9. Turn there with me, read along with me. There's an outline of this message on the back side of your announcements. If you would like to use that, most of it will also be on the screen. Uh, pardon me just a second, Dee Dee. I need a, a drink.
All right, Hebrews 5, 1 through, what I'm going to do this morning is split the text up a little bit. I'll read 1 through 4, take a little break, look at the first part of your, of your outline, and then we'll read 5 through 9. The pastor of that church, that Christian church, who were, were the folks in it were mainly uh, ex or, or previous Jews and had been converted to Christianity. So he's going to talk to them about the priesthood. And often as we go through the book, and from here on out, we're going to talk about the priesthood a lot. He, he already has. He'll continue to. Jesus, our great high priest, and he'll use the, a reference of the, the high priest who was a man in the nation of Israel and use that as a reference and, and a comparison. That's the word I'm lo- looking for. So... First of all, in 1 through 4, he's going to talk about this high priest that they, they were very familiar with it, who was a man. So he says, For every high priest taken from among men is appointed for men in things pertaining to God. So he's the mediator, this high priest that, that is, that is uh, uh, called from men to men, uh, appointed for men in things pertaining to God, that he may offer both gifts and sacrifices for sins. He can have compassion on those who are ignorant and going astray since he himself is also subject to weakness, just like them, okay? He can have compassion. He knows how they feel, and you know, you know what's coming, right? This it's is a comparison to who Jesus is and what he's done for us. And because of this, he is, re- he is required as for the people, so also for himself... Because of this, he's required for the people and also for himself to offer sacrifices for sin. And no man takes this honor to himself, but he who is called by God, just as, just as Aaron was. He's a, he is a descendant, a descendant of Aaron. So I'm going to just take, take a break right here talking about the, the, uh, the high priest that they were used to. He's always a man, of course, and he's representing men to God. That's the ministry. Ministry, if you're looking on the screen or looking at your outline, it's, it's aware of your weakness before you can help the weakness of others. It's the ability to see, hey, it's easy, right, to see the weakness in others. That's easy. It's harder, takes a little more concentration, a little more uh, doing it on purpose to see it in myself. Because I see it in my, real ministry will work like this. Because I can see it in myself, I can help you in yours. But if I don't see it in myself, I'm going to tell you, you'll hear this often, there's going to be nothing new. People are not as dumb as you think they are. Now, some of you disagree. Say, no, no. People are not as dumb as you think they are. And if you go to them and start trying to help them, but you give any impression at all that you're superior to them, that you're stronger than them, do you think they they don't see that? Now, I've never seen anybody with this written on their forehead, I can see right through you, okay? I can see right through you. I've never seen anybody written on that, that written on their forehead or on their chest. I can see right through you, but they can. 
And so it's the, for real ministry to happen, it's where I am very aware of the weakness in myself before I can help the weakness in you. I'm very aware of the sin, aware of your sin, my sin, before you can help the sin of others. I don't think that's hard, too hard to see, and, and I'm not going to stay there long. We'll, we'll move on. But th that's exactly what the pastor, when he wrote the book, wrote the, the message that he preached. That's exactly what he's saying, that the high priest is a man just like we, we are, and so Jesus Christ became a man just like us. So also, you see that in verse 5. Here we'll finish the rest of the text. So also, Christ did not glorify himself to become high priest, but it was he who said to him, and we're quoting from, from the Old Testament, You are my son, today I have begotten you. Kind of like the only begotten son. You recognize that, that verse. As he also says in another place, in another Old Testament scripture, you are a priest forever according to the order of Melchizedek. And, and chapters to come, we'll talk a lot more about that but for right now we're going to stay on task who in the days of his flesh now we're talking about uh, talking about Jesus coming back to him now who in the days of his that's Jesus in the days of his flesh I ne really need you to see verse 7 verse 8 and verse 9 who in the days of his flesh in Jesus flesh when he had offered up prayers and supplications with vehement cries and tears what does that sound like? Where would Jesus have been? And it's recorded in the Gospels. Where would Jesus have been where he is somewhere offering up prayers and supplications with vehement cries and tears? The Garden of Gethsemane, right? Now, there may have been other times, too. The Garden of Gethsemane is not named, but it's like the perfect description of what Jesus went through in the garden the night before his crucifixion. Vehement cries, tears to him. This, this is what I really need you to see. To him, who's to him? The Father, who was able to save him from death. We're going to come back to that. And was heard because of his godly fear. Though, he, though Jesus was a son, yet he learned obedience by the things which he suffered. And having been perfected, he became the author of eternal salvation to all who obey him. I really want to concentrate on 8 and 7, but let's look at verse 9 uh, right now, and then we'll move on to go back up the page to verse uh, 8. And having been perfected uh, on the screen, often in Scripture, perfect means mature. Complete, finished, it, it does. In this verse, perfect is used as completely, completely qualified, complete. Uh, every, almost every other translation that I read reads it this way. The perfect high priest. The perfect high priest. We'll move on. I'm just going to touch on this right now in weeks to come scriptures to come we're going to cover this over and over the problem with the earthly high priest he knows how you feel but he's got his own sin to deal with and that's why he has to come back every year the day of atonement 
every year and do this again and again and again. Why? Because he sinned himself. So he's, he's as best, as good as we've got until Jesus came along. He wasn't, the, the high priest, every high priest that took the office for the nation of Israel was the best that they had, but he wasn't perfect. And that's our problem. You may be a good old boy or a good old girl, but you're not what? Perfect. That's your problem. You may have sinned a little, and you may have sinned a lot, but that's exactly why Paul said what? All have sinned. And he doesn't say, all have sinned a lot, all have sinned some, just all have sinned, all have sinned. So the amount is not really the issue, what is the issue is you're not perfect, that's the problem. And so that's exactly what verse 9 means, perfected. He became the perfect high priest, completely Qualified as Jesus is our perfect high priest, the only one qualified to do so, meeting all the qualifications. No one else can do that. Okay. I want to spend most of the time going back up to verse eight, though. And wow, there's a lot that he has said in just those very few words. Though he was a son. And he learned obedience by the things which he suffered. Now, Matt's going to put this on the screen. This is the title of the message. And we're just going to leave that there a little bit. And I just want you to look at that. What teaches obedience? Suffering. Well, there's got to be something else. No, there isn't. I mean, we learn it some other way. No. No. This is Bible. Suffering teaches obedience. Well, there's got to be another way. There isn't another way. All these, all these Christians want to take shortcuts. Well, of course you do. Why? Nobody likes that. Nobody wants to hear that. Nobody wants to read that. There is no other shortcut. There's a lot of things you're going to find in your spiritual walk, your spiritual life. There are no shortcuts. There aren't. I want, I want a way around it. What's that uh, verse that uh, Paul says in, in uh, I think it's Romans chapter 8? What is it that, that teaches us? Patience? You remember? What's that verse? What teaches, what teaches patience? Tribulation? Tribulation leads to patience? So, but there's got to be another way. No, there isn't. Tribulation teaches patience. What teaches obedience? Suffering. So you mean that's what it's all about? Yeah. Yes. Is that what God's doing? Yes. Yes. Well, yeah, there's got to be another way. No, there isn't. I'm just staying there, okay, because I want you to see that. And when you leave the, the church house this morning, I, I want you to see that in your mind. Okay, what did he say again that teaches me to obey suffering. Suffering. Next screen, when the Father says no. I'm going to leave that screen up there a little bit. Now, what I'm going to ask you to do is look at verse 7 again. Who in the days of his flesh, he was in the Garden of Gethsemane, for instance, 
when he had offered up prayers and supplications with vehement cries and tears. Now, Jesus is going through what he's going through, so he'll know how you feel, right? So he'll know how you feel. Uh, he was tempted in all points as we are. We read about this last week. He was tempted in all points as we are, yet without sin. He was tempted in all points so he knows how you feel. He's in the garden getting ready for this day, this crucifixion day. He knows how you feel. So he's crying out to the Father. Now this is what I want you to see. He's crying. He's got tears. If you read in the Gospels, you can read the account of, of the condition of Jesus as he prays there by himself because he can't find any other disciples to stay with him. He can't find any other disciples who will stay awake. And so he's praying by the... I mean... This is the most important night of his life. He knows exactly what's going to, ha going, to, going to happen next. He knows what's coming. The most important night of his life. He tries to share that with his disciples, and they're yawning. Can't you stay with me an hour? And the answer is what? No. I could stay right there. Can't you stay with Jesus an hour? No, and it may not be because you're sleepy. It may be because I've got something else to do. I'm, I'm busy. <laughs> uh, a friend of mine was preaching, and he got frustrated with his church. I'm not frustrated with you, okay, but he was, and I laughed about it. And you may not find it funny. It's a preacher thing, okay. A friend of mine is a pastor. He got just frustrated with his church. And I, I do know what it feels like when you're preaching to get frustrated. And he was. He said, he got frustrated and he said, you know what? If Jesus Christ was going to be in our church next Sunday and preach from the pulpit, some of you still wouldn't be here. <laughs> you don't think that's funny. But I'm a preacher and he said it. And, I, you know, it's kind of like, I, I said, man, I almost said his name right then. I can't do that. I said, man, you can't say stuff like that. He said, I, I was mad at him. I just said, <laughs> but I said, you know, the, the sad part about that is true. If Jesus was going to be here next Sunday in this, I'll just do it to you. But I'm, but I'm not mad. It's, it's just a sad truth. Some of you still wouldn't be here. Why? You, you, you got other stuff to do. Can't you stay with me an hour? No. And Jesus went through that knowing that. Can you feel that? Can you feel the disappointment in Jesus? Do you not know that he knows how you feel? You ever been disappointed? You ever had friends not stay with you? You ever had friends just, you, you know, yeah, sure we have. You've, you've lived, right? You're alive, right? So yeah, they've disappointed. Do you not see that he knows how you feel? Okay, here's what I want to get out of that verse, though. He prays, and he prays, and the Father says, no. The Father said, because Jesus, is there any way I can escape this? Is there any way I can get out of this? Is there any way you'll let me? Now, vehement cries and tears, verse 7, to him who was able to save him from death. 
Here it is. The father could have said yes. But the father said no to his only son. You know why I did that, right? For you. For God so loves the world. For God so, two-letter word, so loves. The Bible doesn't say God loves the world, does it? Like that. It says he so loves the world. What's that mean? It's that much. It's that much. God so loves the world that he gave his only begotten son. Okay, who's the world? You. Me. God so loved you. God loves you that much that his only son is asking, Father, is there any way that I could escape this death? And the father says, no. And the son hears that and the son knows that and the father just said no to me. Now, here's what I want you to feel, too. I'm, I'm, I'm just in this state. I've, just, I've, I've been here for weeks. Now, that's how the son feels. The son feels the weight, of, the weight of our sin. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. This is what I want to get to. That's how the son feels. He hears the father say no to him when the father could have said yes. And the disciples have left him. The disciples don't care enough. They're, they're asleep. They've got other things to do, other places to be. They've left him, and now the Father has deserted him. And Jesus is in the garden all by himself. He knows how you feel. Now, but how I want you to feel what the Father feels. Your son... Your child comes to you. Daddy, can you, would you save my life? Daddy, would you spare me? Daddy, would you help me? And daddy says, no. That's a little more than I can get. Yeah, I didn't say that right. I can't, I can't go there. I just can't. I don't get that. I can't. It's beyond what I can grasp. Can you imagine what the father feels like? See, we all, I mean, it, this, the son's kind of easy. <sighs> the father, I want you to think about that. Every father in the room, every, every mom in the room. Can, can you feel that? Your child's asking for you to save their life, and you could, but you don't. Because there's somebody that you love so much that you're willing to sacrifice. Honestly, God's just more than I can do. God loves you more than I do. And God loves me more than you do. And God loves your children more than you do. And God loves everybody more than you do, the world. When the Father says no, that has gripped me all week. I cannot get over it. And I think I'm not supposed to. There's some things I'm just not supposed to get over. This is one. Jesus knows how you feel. Jesus knows how those disciples feel. Jesus knows how he, what he's going through. Jesus now 
knows how the Father feels. Me and my Father are one. My Father is in me, and I am in him, and you are in us, and we are in you. But Jesus knows, is getting the full spectrum of all that this is. When the Father says no, and go back to, we're not going to put it on the screen, but go back to where we started. Suffering teaches obedience. What Jesus has done is, it's not that he didn't understand what obedience is. What's he doing? He's experiencing it. That's what this means. Suffering will teach you what that feels like. Now, you know it in your head. See, there's, there, isn't that the difference? You know what suffering is in your head. But when you feel it, when it gets in your heart, and how do you do that? You've got to experience it. It's one thing to know it in your head. You, you know this. But it's another thing when you experience it. And when you experience it, then obedience, where you obey anyway. Next screen. Obedience and faith are easy when God's doing everything you want. Let's go to the next screen. Obeying God even though. Now, this is important. We're going to get into this in the... We're going to get into this next week. He's, he's going to talk about the milk of the word, the meat of the word, growing up, ma maturing in Christ. I don't know if you get this. I don't know if you see this. But every week in our con congregation, there's this huge gap. There's huge uh, gaps, not the right, right word, spectrum of Christians in this room. We're going to talk about this more and we're going to talk about this a lot next week. There's this huge spectrum of Christians in the room. Some of you are so immature and some of you are so mature. It's like we're not even on the same planet. And it, there's this process, there's this experience that we get with God that we learn to mature. And, and obedience is a huge part of that. See, there's some Christians give up every time something goes wrong. There's some Christians who give up on, on God every time he doesn't answer your prayer the way you want him to. Now, did, did God the Father answer Jesus when he prayed in the Garden of Gethsemane? He certainly did. What did he say? No. And sometimes you're going to pray and, and God is certainly answering your prayer. And what is the answer? No. Well, okay, I'm not going to accept that. And you'll never hear me talking about, well, if you had enough faith, you could make God do this. If you had enough faith, you could talk God into that. That is so much heresy. So much heretical. It is not Bible. God knows the end from the beginning. He has a plan. It's not that we're changing God. It's that He is changing me. He's changing me right now. And what happens is we mature in Christ. We learn to obey him. Even though. Nevertheless. There's a scripture in Habakkuk that's on your text. We're not going to go there. But it's nevertheless. Even though. There's a scripture that I, we will have on the screen. And it's, it's uh, Paul. And it's in Acts chapter 9, 15 through 16. But the Lord said to him. Paul, uh, God is talking to Ananias about going and baptizing Paul. His name's Saul. He hasn't got the name Paul yet. 
So Ananias is scared. He doesn't want to because Saul is a reputation for killing Christians. Yeah, I want to come and stay away from him too. But the Lord said to Ananias, go. Go. For he is a chosen vessel of mine to bear my name before Gentiles, kings, and the children of Israel. Watch that. Gentiles, kings, and the children of Israel. All, just all kinds. Gentiles, kings, and the children of Israel. Paul, Saul, is going to have to reach all of those. All right? This is, this, this is important. He's going to have to reach all of those. For I will show him how many things he must suffer for my name's sake. How is Paul going to reach all of those? The kings, the Gentiles. How is Paul going to reach all of those? There's going to be some suffering along the way. I will show him how, much, how many things he must suffer. Strangely enough, oddly enough, God gave Paul a glimpse of what he was going to have, have to do. And in that suffering is where God began to use Paul. How are you going to reach a Philippian jailer? You're going to have to go to jail. To reach a Philippian jailer and his family, you're going to have to go to jail. And I, there's, I don't know. It very well could be Paul and Silas. I think I've got that right. Said, no, no. God, is there any way? Is there any way you can spare me from this where I don't have to do this? And the answer from the Father is what? No. Because I've got a Philippian jailer in mind and his household, and I love them that much. I so love them that I will allow you to suffer to reach them. So if you're going to reach a Philippian jailer in the economy, that's, that's how we say it, in the economy of God, you're going to have to go to prison for it. No, no, I won't do that. Then you won't do that. There's this huge spectrum of Christianity. Some are so immature in Christ, and some are so mature in Christ. And what is the difference? Suffering. Suffering makes the difference. Suffering makes you who you are. Suffering takes you from immaturity to, ma to maturity. How does it work? Suffering. Suffering. No, there's got to be another way. There's not another biblical way. This is, this is the way of the cross. This is what God does. Sometimes he says, no, because I've got a job for you, and I, and I need, I'm going to use that, that word, I need you to do it. I could do it some other way, and I'm not telling you about that, but I'm choosing you to do this, and you're going to have to suffer. If you're going to reach a Philippian jailer, you're going to have to suffer. If you're going to have, to, if you're going to have your pride tampered down and tampered back and held back, you're going to have to have a thorn in the the flesh and Paul prayed three times Lord is there any way can you can you take this from me God I, I hate this physical whatever I know you can do it he certainly can sure he can the father could save Jesus from the cross he can take the the physical whatever from Paul of course he can I, I was going to say snap the finger God doesn't snap his fingers he speaks it's gone what was what Jesus say? Two-letter word, no. So in that, Paul's pride was held back. If you're going to reach 200 and some, however, men on a ship that's getting ready to shipwreck, what are you going to have to do? Be in a shipwreck. And the angel of the Lord showed Paul that. I'm going to show you how many things you must suffer. But I've got 200, 200 plus souls on, on, the, on this ship, and I need a man on that ship. In Ezekiel, 
You remember what God said to the prophet, I need a man. Now I'm going to get, I'm going to get, I'm going to pick on men here because a lot of times uh, man is humankind, all of us. It's not what it, that's not what it says in Ezekiel. I'm just going to pick on men, then I'll leave you alone. In Ezekiel, God said to Ezekiel, I want you to talk to the nation of Israel. He said to Ezekiel, tell them, I need a man to stand on the wall. To be a protector. I need a man, a male. I need a man to stand on the wall and be a protector for the nation of Israel. And I'm having a hard time finding one. It's kind of like Jesus saying, well, is there anybody that will stay with me now? No, I've got other things to do. But if, if, if God's going to save 200 and some souls on a ship, he's got to have a man on that ship. And he worked it out. And Paul so many times could have said and may have said, Lord, I don't want to do that. I don't want to do that. Would you save me from that? No. The Lord's going to ask you to do some things. Here, here it is. I don't care what crowd I ever preach to. The Lord's going to ask you to do some things. Some of you, here's the, here's the difference. Some of you are going to say, no. I'm not, I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to go through all that. And some of you are going through it, and, and, you're, and you're praying to the Lord, Lord, why are you doing this? Because he's doing something with you. He's doing something in, in you. The God's, God's trying to reach someone else. I don't, I don't know what all he's doing, but he's doing stuff in you and through you and with you and all, and all around you. And you pray, Lord, is there any way you can save me from this? And he answers, no. And I keep on anyway. I keep on anyway. Matt, can you go back to even though? Obeying God even though. Nevertheless, I'm going to do what God asked me to do anyway. I am determined. There's immature and there's mature, and I haven't reached mature yet, but I sure am not going to stay where I was. That is not... I do not want that. And the only way I know to get past that and move on from that is to obey. Even though when he, when he does not answer my prayer the way I want him to, when the answer is no, I'm going to stay with the Lord anyway. I'm going to ask you to stand and the musicians are going to come and we're going to pray. I'm going to give you a little chance a little time, chance for the Holy Spirit to deal with you and talk with you. Here it is. Some of you have been praying and seeking and asking, and you should. Hey, if I'm suffering, I guarantee you, I'm going to ask. I'm going to seek. I'm going to knock. I guarantee you. If I have an affliction in my flesh like Paul, I'm going to pray three times at least. Some of you have been praying, and, and deep down you know actually the answer is no. The Lord just wants you to go through this. The Lord wants you to keep on going. The Lord does not want you to quit. The Lord wants you to go on through this.
Why? There's something he's going to show you. There's some way he's going to use you. There's some way he's going to grow you. There's some way he's going to change you. And not only you, but those around you. Jesus is doing something in you. Jesus is accomplishing something through you by suffering. Most of our suffering doesn't have any, can't even compare to what Jesus went through, but it's suffering still the same. It's what I don't want to do, but it's the cross that Jesus has handed me. Here, here it is. Will you obey me? This isn't pleasant. It isn't nice. It isn't fun. It's not funny. It's just real life with Jesus. And can you see, can you know, can you feel that he does know how you feel? And he's asking you to go through this with him anyway. Some of us need to come and pray. Pour our heart out to God. Some of us are just feel like we're ready to quit. Some of us are ready to give up. Some of us don't know why God isn't answering our prayer the way we, we don't know why God's not saying yes. But he's saying no, and that's okay. I'm going to obey him even though. While they play, sing, if you need to come to an altar, you can come and stand, sit, kneel. I'm just asking you to come and talk to Jesus about whatever it is going on in your life. While they play and sing, we ask you to come.